This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, October 15, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. Five Democrats who want to be president took to the stage to talk about why they should each be given the White House. But the debate was short on foreign policy substance. So say Cato's Emma Ashford and Chris Preble. Emma, you noted during the debate that let's all keep in mind that of the candidates on the stage here, the one who supported the Iraq war was Hillary Clinton. How well did she talk about foreign policy relating to Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, and others? Well, particularly on the Iraq war, it's uh, really interesting. She was asked directly why she supported the Iraq war. And she actually did a rather neat answer where she pivoted immediately to her experiences as part of the Obama administration, said, well, the president trusts me and just never answered the actual question. Um, So she did a great job deflecting a lot of the problems from her record previously. The same with uh, Libya. She said it was a great success uh, for U.S. smart power. I think that's an extremely misleading statement, but the moderators never really called her on it. I agree. I think that one of the best moments for Hillary Clinton, not necessarily the best moment for the rest of the country, is when she managed to pivot from the question about uh, her judgment uh, in going into the Iraq war and supporting the Iraq war uh, and saying essentially that Barack Obama trusted my judgment enough to make me secretary of state. And that and that ended the discussion as far as she was concerned. It was obvious she was ready for that question. Um, and I think that um, that it was one of President Obama's worst mistakes uh, in making her for, uh, secretary of state precisely for this reason, because um, he signaled that uh, her misjudgment in the past should not misqual- disqualify her for really any job in the future. All right. So uh, how did uh, Bernie Sanders and Martin O'Malley handle themselves with respect to uh, these questions? I thought that Martin O'Malley uh, seemed to be running for vice president and that he seemed to be going out of his way not to say anything unkind towards Hillary Clinton. Um, uh, when really pressed, he admitted that he thought the support for a no-fly zone in Syria was perhaps a little uh, uh, dangerous. And so he didn't support that. Um, I actually went and looked a bit more at at Bernie Sanders and what he had said uh, previously uh, on Iraq. He he pointed people to his website and I actually went to berniesanders.com to to confirm this. You don't find a lot about Iraq on the website. There's just a few passages. The thing I took away, there are 17 issues that Bernie Sanders lists as his priority issues and defense and foreign, poli- foreign policy are numbers 16 and 17. So obviously this is not a high priority for him. Yeah, I think with Bernie Sanders, you can really see that in the way he responded to a lot of the questions last night um, when he was asked what he felt the greatest foreign policy challenge or threat for America was. He responded with climate change, which is one of his core issues. Um, All the other candidates at least tried to address the subject of foreign policy. Bernie Sanders kept pivoting to domestic issues. That's not really surprising since he mostly seems to be in the race to highlight domestic issues. All right. So uh, Jim Webb, here's a comment from him from the debate talking about Russia and Syria. Uh, There are three strategic failings that have allowed this to occur. The first was the invasion of Iraq, which destabilized ethnic elements in Iraq and empowered Iran. The second was the Arab Spring, which created huge vacuums in Libya and Syria that allowed terrorist movements to move in there. And the third was the recent deal allowing Iran to move forward and eventually acquire a nuclear weapon, which sent bad signals, bad body language into the region about whether We are acquiescing in Iran, becoming a stronger piece of the formula in that part of the world. 
Yeah, I also highlighted that passage because I was deeply disappointed by it. I guess I shouldn't be surprised because he had come out against the Iran deal earlier. Um, it's just a fundamental misreading of the Iran nuclear deal. He can object to the deal itself on the grounds that he doesn't believe that the Iranians will stick to it. But uh, if you look at the terms of the deal, the, the, the uh, agreement clearly stipulates and, and, and places uh, – and you know, puts in place restrictions on Iran's nuclear program to specifically prevent Iran from becoming a nuclear power weapon state. So um, I, I was really uh, quite disappointed by that response. The thing that was particularly sort of confounding about that statement too is he, he effectively attributes the Syrian civil war that started in about 2011 to the Iran nuclear deal that was only concluded this year. So he certainly brought up a lot of talking points and jammed them into that statement, but he didn't really do it in a way that was accurate um, or talked about the region as a whole. Um, and I think Jim Webb on the Iran deal makes the same mistake as a lot of people do in that they attribute everything bad Iran does to the nuclear deal. They say, well, the nuclear deal, it doesn't solve all the problems we have with Iran. Therefore, we shouldn't have the deal. That's a really misleading approach to this. The, the Iran nuclear deal deals with the issue of whether Iran should be able to get nuclear weapons. It's not going to solve all those other problems, but it's a great starting point to ensure that the Iranian regime doesn't have a nuclear weapon. So what of the uh, suggestion at a couple of points in the debate of a no-fly zone that was uh, thrown out there for Syria? Well, I think that we, we can't look past the fact that a no-fly zone in any context is a military operation. It is enforced by manned aircraft, uh, something you cannot do with drones or unmanned vehicles. Uh, and the additional complication now is, of course, the, these are manned aircraft that are likely to come into contact. And in fact, we now already have an incident of them coming into contact with manned aircraft piloted by uh, Russian pilots. Uh, this is, a, you know, we have not been in a situation like this in quite some time where there is a possibility of um, an actual incident between U.S. military forces and Russian forces, and uh, yet that's exactly what we have over the skies in, Russia, in Syria right now. Now, Oma both O'Malley and Sanders, I don't know about Webb, uh, said a no-fly zone is generally a bad idea. Clinton said uh, it's a great idea. Um, what, what do we make of the attempt by Hillary Clinton to, uh, as uh, Connor Friedersdorf pointed out recently, entice Democrats to Cheneyism. <laughs> um, I don't think she has to entice Democrats to Cheneyism. This is Hillary Clintonism. I mean, Hillary Clinton has been a hawkish Democrat for as long as she's been, I don't know, a hawkish Democrat, uh, going back to even uh, when she was first lady in the, in the Clinton administration. I urged him to bomb, I believe yes, is yeah, her yeah, no, I mean, the, the evidence of this is really quite strong. Um, it goes far beyond her support for the Iraq war, which she has not completely recanted, obviously, but it, it shows in her support for the Libyan operation. If the Libyan operation was a good one and a shining success, then it would follow that the Syrian operation that looks like the Libyan operation would also be a shining success. Now, these are obviously very different countries and the circumstances are very different, but I think the premise is the same. You have a, a terror, uh, you have a dictator who is mistreating his people, and therefore, 
the United States is uh, authorized and justified in taking action to remove him from power, uh, even in the face of the likely um, chaos that will ensue afterwards. Here's uh, Hillary Clinton on uh, Libya. She said, we had our closest allies in Europe burning up the phone lines, begging us to help them try to prevent what they saw as a mass genocide in their words. We had the Arabs standing by our side saying, we want you to help us deal with Gaddafi. Our response, which I think was smart power at its best, is that the United States will not lead this. We will provide essential, unique capabilities that we have. But the Europeans and the Arabs had to be first over the line. We did not put one single American soldier on the ground in Libya. Uh, and then she is cut off. Right. I think that uh, Jim Webb, this is where I think one of the strongest parts of his performance in an otherwise, I thought, uneven debate was uh, emphasizing that the, the way in which the Obama administration went to war in Libya completely violated the terms of the Constitution. Uh, this is a big issue for him uh, and, and he reiterated that last night, is when you do not have a serious debate in Congress over the use of force, uh, bad things happen and <laughs> that's what happened in Libya. And I think that something else that really came out of the debate last night is some of the other candidates were willing to challenge Hillary Clinton on some elements of her more hawkish foreign policy. But I think it's a real sign of the fact that she's not that far out of step with a lot of the Democratic Party, that the most liberal candidate on the stage, Bernie Sanders, you know, says he's a Democratic socialist, not a Democrat. Um, when asked what he felt were legitimate reasons for the US to use force to intervene in other countries, he said, well, I don't really think we should much, and then went on and named at least half a dozen situations, you know, where he felt that the U.S. would be entirely justified in intervening. He was, I, I picked up on exactly the same thing as Emma. The, he said, when our country is threatened or when our allies are threatened, I believe that we need coalitions to come together to address the major crises of this country. I do not support the United States getting involved in unilateral action. That is completely incoherent. Uh, first of all, he says that he would only go in when there's a vital national interest at stake and then he admits that in Kosovo, where there clearly is not a vital national interest at stake, he supported the intervention there. Um, if you include whenever our allies are threatened as a legitimate justification for the use of force, well, there are, I don't know, something between 55 and 60 different U.S. allies, formal allies around the world. That's uh, not a very limiting factor on the number of times that he would use force. So I think, yeah, as, as Emma says, even uh, Sanders kind of staking out the position as the, uh, the, the liberal of all liberals, uh, he reflects this real tension in uh, liberals' approach to foreign policy, which is uh, they, they favor wars just for different reasons. Foreign policy was among several issues discussed and perhaps it didn't get as much time as it should have gotten. What were some of the things that were sort of left out of this debate that, that should have gotten some time? Well, I think of the five candidates, the two least um, kind of uh, least likely finishers, uh, Chafee and Jim Webb, they led off with foreign policy in their opening statements uh, and returned to them in their closing statements and the other three candidates specifically did not. So again, you you cannot completely direct the, the questions that are being answer, asked because the moderators ask the questions. But in terms of your opening and closing statements, uh, that signals pretty clearly what you want to be talking about. And I think the fact that O'Malley and Sanders and Clinton did not bring it up uh, at all on their own uh, signals that they really would rather uh, not talk about it at all. 
Uh, and another fact that we've we've seen this in the Republican debates too, the, the overwhelming focus on the Middle East as the only place where US foreign policy matters. I mean, China was effectively only raised in a couple of responses to questions. The moderators never asked a question about Asia. Um, I think it was Jim Webb who finally sort of shoehorned into one of his statements of a very short, very strange statement on China. But a lot of other really important issues, uh, the TPP, um, relations with Europe, uh, Russia was only addressed in the context of the Middle East again. We're really just not covering a lot of the biggest foreign policy issues facing the U.S. That's exactly right. It reflects, once again, the extent to which the Middle East has completely overwhelmed our discussion of foreign policy in this country uh, to our detriment. Emma Ashford is a visiting research fellow at the Cato Institute, and Chris Preble is vice president for defense and foreign policy studies. Track Cato Scholar's Twitter posts on the race for the presidency with the hashtag Cato2016, and read more of their work at Cato.org.